Good morning, greetings in Jesus' name. It is good to be here this morning. Um, it is a, a joyful time and is with much gratefulness that we are gathered here this, this morning in this event. Um, over the last several months, half year, we've been sitting together with the instruction class and um, it is a joy, it is a real joy to see young people making a commitment for Christ and then desiring baptism and being a part of the family of God. That is a tremendous joy. And um, I find myself having um, a little bit of mixed emotions this morning. It is just a joy to see young people committing themselves to the Lord and uh, building the church here. <clears throat> the passage that Ben read this morning for, for a message is um, Jesus here, he takes his 11 and he goes away onto a place of Galilee into a mountain. Well, actually, he meets them here at the mountain and um, he has this conversation with them and he tells them that they should go and teach and as a result of their teaching they should also baptize and it says baptize many baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and the holy ghost and here we are more than two thousand years later and i believe this is happening here this morning and i f i find it just a tremendous honor to be a part of something like this a part of something much bigger than ourselves <clears throat> I've entitled my message, the message this morning, I Will Build My Church. And um, this were, that was a, a statement that Jesus made, and we'll explore that a little more here in detail a little later on. I will build my church. I see there's many friends and family members gathered here this morning, school teachers um, of these here in the class, you know, it takes a community to raise a family. And um, it is a blessing and a privilege to see so many people here this morning in support of these young brothers and sisters. <clears throat> Baptism here is an act of obedience. We believe baptizing these uh, young men this morning, young men and w ladies, is not going to save them. Um, baptism is simply an act of obedience, and um, a person is saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our instruction time throughout the last half year, uh, we've had plenty of interaction there and are confident that these young men have made that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, is where Jesus has this dialogue with Peter. I'm just going to turn there for just a minute. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And um, 
Jesus was having dialogue here with his disciples, and Jesus answered, um, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ and the Son of God. So Jesus was asking him, Who do you say that I am? And um, Peter goes on to t tell Jesus, Well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjuna, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, here's the phrase, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Notice that Jesus did not say, I might build my church, or I could build my church, or if the circumstances are just right, I will build my church. He said, I will build my church. He doesn't say that if the world allows me to, I will, or if Satan doesn't interfere, I will. In fact, he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We can be assured that when, dark, when the darkness gets darker and things seem like they're going out of control and wars are breaking out and there's earthquakes and all of these different things going on, we can be sure that God is not losing control. Christ will complete his mission and he invites us to participate in completing that mission. He will complete it. And we are invited to participate in that, in completing his mission here on the earth. <clears throat> and so, young men, ladies, you will, you are invited into uh, this mission that Christ wants to complete here on the earth and uh, you're coming for baptism and um, your baptism will also give you membership in Peckway and I believe your, your uh, mission is very narrow if you're here as a member of Peckway Amish Mennonite Church the mission is through the church Jesus wants to uh, uh, build his kingdom through the church it's a joy as I get older I see the importance of the younger generations coming on and taking on this torch, building the church. Paul in Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, he says, Paul give thanks for the church. And he refers to the believers there as the beloved of God. Thank God for the church. And thank God for the opportunity we have to participate in building his kingdom here on the earth. Three things I want to look at this morning as we go through the message. I want to look at the church as a family. The church, the value that Christ placed on the church family. And then the blessing of belonging to that family. Church as a family. The value of, of the church family. And then the blessing of belonging to that family.
In a literal sense, in a family setting, we are familiar, most of us are familiar with that. We uh, do family life together. We have a mom and a dad, and we have brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and grandparents. We're familiar with those terms. But Jesus says, if you come into my kingdom, then you will also, this family thing begins. And while I believe that families and home structures are important and we have the blessing, many times blessing and growing up in godly families and with parents who guide and direct us in the right way, um, the same is true in the church family. Jesus clearly focused his greatest concern with the church rather than the home family. The family in the home is simply a means to an end. Our goal as parents is to raise children that can be a blessing in the church someday, right? It is not a self-satisfying or a self-goal um, uh, that we have for ourselves, but the goal is that one day we can have a generation that will come up and carry on the work of Christ in the church. <clears throat> Our goal is not for personal gratification or to exalt oneself, but to further the kingdom of God. Family members into the church body are added as new converts are born into the church family. And this we know as we refer to this as being born again. Uh, Christ came to Nicodemus and he says, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And we are born into this church family. <clears throat> An individual, the Peckway Church, is not the sum total of the Bride of Christ, but it is a small part of something much bigger, of many other churches that are represented in this church, in the Bride of Christ. Matthew chapter 12, for a few thoughts from Matthew chapter 12. Jesus was having interaction with his disciples, and... Um, Matthew 12, 46 through 50. While, yet he talk, while he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brothers stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto, them, unto him that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand and toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus introduces the idea here that family extends beyond brother and sister. If you are part of the family of God, a part of his kingdom, then we are family. In a sense, we all are family this morning. And we, we, the way we flesh this out is through our individual churches. Um, and what a blessing it is to be a part of something like that. 
I believe if we were to fully comprehend the significance Christ puts on the body or, as it were, the family or church, our churches would be a vibrant organism that functions well as a group and wards off cancer cells upon their discovery. Each individual cell functions within the body for a much larger purpose. That is a blessing and a privilege to be a part of that idea of family. We call each other brothers and sisters, right? Here at Peckway Church, we are more than just Ben. He's brother Ben, and soon many more. It's, it's, a, it's a privilege and a blessing. And when we do that, we're acknowledging family. We're acknowledging that, yes, we're a part of something much bigger than just myself. <clears throat> to miss the family of God concept is to very soon endorse a church idea of everyone did what was right in their own eyes. If you have a family concept and a close-knit family, uh, you do things together. And, and uh, not everybody out there doing what is right in their own eyes. In our home, um, our family supper table is a, is a cherished time. I value it very much. And um, we sit together, and right now in our stage in life, we're talking about, usually talking about school things and interactions with friends and, and those kind of things. And I trust when we get together as a, as a church body family, we're talking about the same things. We're talking about the things that we do as a body. <clears throat> And the purpose of him inviting us into this family, Christ inviting us into this family, is for the building of his church. For the building of his church. Do we love the church? Do we love it? His church. Not my church, not your church, but his church. The church of Christ. <clears throat> How much? How much do we value the church family. I will say some of the thoughts that I have this morning are not original with me. I've been taking, I took some material from Evaluator's book and I've just been really encouraged as I, again, I've read the book a number of years ago, but again, just dug into it and um, seen some of the truth that he has uh, written in the book. He says this, Jesus is deeply concerned, and we're talking about the value of the church family. Jesus is deeply concerned for his bride. In this day and age, divorce threatens the church. Not in the sense of destroying permanence of marriage, but in the sense of loving our fellow brothers and sisters within the church. He says this, within our spiritual brotherhoods, we have embraced a divorce mentality towards the fellow Christians that God has placed among us. What does he mean by that? Within our spiritual brotherhoods, we have embraced a divorce mentality toward fellow Christians that God has placed 
doesn't say among us. He says, placed us among. Not like we were here and then God placed some more people with us, but it's, it's the idea that God has placed these people, um, placed us among these people. How will we do with that? We emotionally cut ourselves off from those who disappoint us, embitter us, and those who have contrasting views. When we focus on what we perceive to be faults, sins, and apostasies of brothers and sisters, we can hardly be convinced that there is any good qualities in them. Too often, we find it easier to weep with those who weep than to rejoice in the steps, in these little tiny baby steps, towards righteousness. Of course, we know that repentance is key to lasting change. And as one pastor said it, for every reproof there should be ten affirmations. I brought with an illustration this morning that I'd like to talk about for a little. If I can balance this on the corner. Class, I'm going to turn this over your way so you can see. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul um, was another one. He, he dealt with things sometimes head on. But oftentimes the Apostle Paul would... would, would um, Pull his people would would appeal to the people on the basis of good of the good that is in them. So, I have a jar here. This jar is full of dirt, if you will. In class, can you all see this? What what is at the bottom of this of this jar? Can you see that? I put a hundred dollar bill down there at the bottom of the jar, and um. I'd like for you to think about something. If this jar was my life, okay? We'll just pretend this would be, would be my life. And um, there, is, there really is something good in everybody, right? Sometimes you just got to dig to get there. Now, I know we could open this up and we could dump this out and get the $100 bill, right? But we're going to pretend for the illustration that... The only way to get the $100 bill is to dig down here and get it. Now, we know that by digging down through here, um, our hands are going to get dirty. Um, probably a pretty good chance that when you're digging, there's going to be some dirt that's going to spill out and get all over the floor. if you want to get your hand down there far enough to get the, the dollar bill. Val Yoder says, we should dig for gold. But gold is usually not found on the surface. So, young people, when you are become a part of this body, you will begin to see some dirt in people's lives. I encourage you, don't get discouraged with the dirt. 
because there is gold at the bottom. Stick with it. In spite of the dirt that you would put your hand into. And the work gets dirty sometimes, it does. But we need to keep digging for the gold and go after the gold in people's lives. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17. We want to look at two, um, two verses here. Matthew 17 verses 4 through 5. I'm sorry, I got the wrong reference there. We're going to read the entire, pa- the entire passage there, 17, 1 through 4. After six days, Jesus taking Peter, James, and John in, and his brother, bringing them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. In this dialogue, as I was looking at this passage, this is a very instructional passage for us as it relates to relating to brothers and sisters in the church. Um, Notice how Jesus responds. I'm sorry, notice how God... um, dialogues here with the disciples and and Jesus or his comments. Remember, Jesus was here and Elijah and Moses, which by the way, I've wondered as I was looking at this, why was it Elijah and Moses? Was Jesus maybe feeling a little discouraged and he went up in the mountain like he did sometimes to get away from people? Took a few of his disciples with him and he went up there is there a reason it was Moses and Elijah? Both of those individuals knew what it was like to face discouragement as they were working with people, especially Moses and Elijah for that matter. Were they, these in the transfiguration, were they offering encouragement to Jesus, Moses and Elijah? I don't know. Is it significant? It's a thought I had. I thought, I wonder, if Jesus was facing discouragement, God sent Moses and Elijah to encourage him to keep on keeping on. And in fact, in later verses here, in later chapters here, Jesus really went into the teaching. And there's some rich teaching from here on till his uh, crucifixion for his disciples. So maybe this was kind of the final uh, encouragement for Jesus to keep on. I don't know. But nonetheless, what God said would have definitely been an encouragement. The first thing that he affirms in Jesus is that he belonged. 
He belonged. Look at, the, look at the statement. It says, this is my beloved son. My beloved son. This is my son. He gave Jesus a sense of belonging by saying, this is my beloved son. In front of uh, the disciples, of course, who are witnessing this. He valued him. The second thing he said is he said, in whom I am well pleased. God looked at Jesus and said, this is my son. I am well pleased with my son. And he affirmed his competence. He affirmed that yes, he is well able to complete the mission. He says to the disciples, hear ye him. He belonged, he, he valued him, and affirmed his, comp, his uh, competence. You know, I've heard statements already, I've probably even made these myself, where I will say to someone, oh yeah, I go to church with him. Oh. Oh yeah, that guy, he's, he's part of our church. Oh her, yeah, she's, she's a part of our church. That's okay. Um, but I wonder, is that a true, um, why, why not? Oh yeah, he's my brother in Christ. He is my brother, and he's a part of our fellowship there at Peckway. I go to church with that guy is a little bit different than saying, yes, that guy, he is my brother in Christ. <clears throat> Jesus said, or God said, this is my beloved son. By building the gifts and contributions of fellow brothers and sisters, we should be uh, building them, finding, if we gotta dig through the dirt, Let's go ahead, dig through the dirt, and find the gold in fellow believers' lives. You will have plenty of opportunity to see only dirt, but if you're willing to dig, it's there. It's there. All right, for the final one, the blessing of belonging. The blessing of belonging. Um, being a part, being a follower of Christ. Participation in Christ requires participation in one another. Okay? Participation in Christ requires participation in one another. Believers in Christ do not decide to have fellowship or decide to become a community. They are by nature a community. The only real question is Will it be a poor community or a good community? One that remains lim limited and impoverished or one that achieves its full life? Again, a key element to that part of it is being willing to dig for the gold. Being willing to dig. Being willing to get our hands dirty and dig for the gold. The church is really a community of love Love in action. The church is a brotherhood. 
it's not just a feeling we have for each other, a vague sense of belonging, or a theological declaration. Rather, it expresses itself in joint action and common experience. How we flesh this out, how we live this, we do it together. Joint action and common experience. <clears throat> when you have a family unit and one of the sons or maybe a few of the sons are gone at a certain time, um, you, you feel the missingness of that. What about church? It's the same sense in a church family. When somebody is gone, somebody is missing, you miss or you feel the, the, the missing presence of that individual. Joint action, common experience. The Holy Spirit is another um, thing we all experience. We all have, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've committed to your life to him, then the Holy Spirit dwells in my life. He dwells within us. We believe that, right? And so in that sense, the instruction class, you all are sharing this Holy Spirit. is dwelling in me. He's dwelling in each one of your lives as well. And so... It brings a togetherness in our lives. It brings a togetherness. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to create and deepen and extend the fellowship of the church. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to create, deepen, and extend the fellowship of the church. How many of you know, if you have this nagging thing against a brother or a sister in the church, and it just nags you and nags you. That's the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do something about that. And if you can deal with that and do something about it, that's, that Holy Spirit is present in everybody's lives. And he is one who deepens and extends the fellowship of the church. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit produced the New Testament scriptures through the work of the apostles and their associates. And he guides the church to the scriptures in the use of them. And he also empowers the church for witness and his service. He indwells each of us. <clears throat> now, if that is true, that Jesus lives within each one of us, and we gather together, and we're a family of God, then it is also true that we bear the name of Christ. And so... The way we do church and how we do church then represents Christ. So it is very, it, I, I, I just believe it is so important how we live our Christian lives because Jesus' reputation is at stake. People will see Christ through us and how we re represent Christ Many times, for many people, that's the only Bible they will ever read, is our lives. It matters how we live. 
<clears throat> there is more to a Christian than a new status and a new nature. A Christian has a new family. He or she, by definition, is now a member of a people. To be reconciled to Christ, by definition, now means to be reconciled to his people. And so today, we're receiving um, more members into our church, and we are really excited about that. When you come into the body, now you become brothers and sisters in Christ. And Ethan and Mason and William, Jonathan, you guys would be brothers and sisters. Brothers, not sisters. And you guys would be the sisters. You can call each other brothers and sisters. It's a tremendous, tremendous privilege. But it comes with responsibility and being able to relate to each other as brothers and sisters. Many of you know in family settings, sometimes things come up. You've got to work them out. Brothers and sisters. The church, belonging to a church, is a tremendous, tremendous blessing. There is many things in the Christian life that you cannot, simply cannot do on your own. No matter how hard you tried, you could not complete it on your own. A lone, lone ranger somewhere in the backwoods of New York where nobody else is around, you simply could not complete some of the things that Christ has called the church to do. One of those is this morning, this morning service, baptism. You could not possibly baptize yourself. Okay? Now, could you, go out, could you go home, get a cup of water and pour it on top of your head? Yes, you could. Is that baptism? No, it's not. You simply could not do it yourself. Could you go home and your brother dump it on your head? No, that is still not baptism. What about communion? Could you go home and eat a piece of bread and drink a little bit of juice and say, yes, I've had communion? No, you could not. You need more people to do communion with. You could not do that on your own. If you're in the backwoods of New York somewhere and you want to decide you're going to have communion, you cannot do it on your own. You need the body. Tremendous, tremendous blessing to be a part of the body and to do things together. We simply were not made to survive on our own. And you could not survive as a Christian long term on your own. Now, a final thought here. <clears throat> Class. You will have ups and downs in your Christian life. I can assure you that. It's not always going to be a high. You're going to experience some lows in your, in your Christian life. And I'd like just to appeal to you this morning to not live your Christian life at the level of your emotions. Emotions are a good thing. God has given us emotions when we cry, we laugh, we rejoice. Those are all good emotions. And there's a part of the Christian life that is emotional. And it's a tremendous experience and a blessing in that sense. But you know, 
there is going to be times when you might feel the joy of forgiveness. And then sometimes you might not. It might be the Holy Spirit prodding you, but it might also be that you need to ride it out a little bit and allow your emotions to play out. <clears throat> you might sometimes feel like obeying Christ and other times you don't. Don't allow those emotions to guide and make your decisions at those times. Keep on obeying Christ even if you don't feel like it. Sometimes you might feel the power of the Holy Spirit more than other times. Sometimes your faith might just be you're in a high and your faith is grounded and you're rooted. And sometimes you might be in a little bit of a low where you need to give it some time and read this Bible and, and, uh, and go to a brother. <clears throat> sometimes you might feel really connected to the body and sometimes you might not. Don't allow those emotions. If a brother or a sister um, hurts you, disappoints you in some way, be careful. Don't allow those emotions to take over. See, our feelings, they run all over the place. They are like the changing and the conflicting tides, of, uh, waves in the ocean, constantly moving back and forth. But stay rooted and grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. Three things this morning in baptism. What you are saying to the church this morning, you're saying, I believe through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that I am washed, that the old person has been crucified, he has died, and I am raised to a newness of life. I believe. Number two, I obey. Baptism is a simple act of obedience. I am pledging a life of obedience to Christ, and baptism is simply a seal to that commitment. It is an anchor point. It's like Mel had mentioned to us this morning in the, in the uh, devotional meditation. Uh, baptism is, is like marriage. You, go, you, you uh, exchange your vows in that sense, and it's a public ceremony and so everybody will know what that you are pledging a life of obedience to Christ baptism is a seal of that commitment and this morning for those of us who have already been baptized this is this is a, a reminder or a refreshment just like it is when you sit in a marriage ceremony when some when a new couple's getting married you are refreshed and encouraged to continue on in the faith Number three, I belong. I belong to Christ, and I belong to the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we are free or slaves, all have been made to drink into one Spirit. In conclusion, class, I am tremendously encouraged with what I see in your lives. And I believe Christ is pleased this morning 
as he witnesses this. Event. You know, we have our physical families, but this morning you're, you're by being baptized, you're also becoming a part of a physical body, Peckway Church here. Our physical families bring us a sense of, of uh, security, a sense of belonging, and we love our brothers and sisters. The spiritual body has eternal value. And so I'd like to encourage you, pour yourself into that body because it has eternal values. It is something that will go on into eternity. The work we do here in this body will have an impact on the future. And Christ puts a very high value on the body. If I could just leave that one encouragement with you, one thing you remember from this is value the body. It isn't Manny's church, it isn't Ben's church or Mel's church or Paul or Matt's church. It's Christ's church. Value his body. How much is it worth to you? Just encourage you with that. Stay true all the way through. There will be times when you will be um, needing to make decisions. Make the right decisions. Stand up for what is right. Let's stand together for a word of prayer. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of gathering together here this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises in your word. Thank you for the blessing it is to be a part of your body, of your church. And I pray you would now guide and direct the remainder of the service and be with each one in the class as they share their testimonies and are baptized here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sit down.